Amen. Our God does care so deeply for us, and it's His love we're going to be looking at today. Let me ask you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, as we continue our series on Back to Basics. You know, I, I hope you have some heroes in the faith. One of mine is uh, Presbyterian pastor Francis Schaefer, who died in 1984. In 1948, he and his wife Edith moved from the United States to Switzerland. He had pastored several churches or been involved in a handful of churches in this country. And then uh, he and his wife were sent as missionaries to Switzerland. And about three or four years into their time there, Schaefer went through a profound spiritual crisis, and for good reason, as he reflected back over the history of his own denomination which was the result of a a church split. He was deeply concerned uh, about the animosity that he saw among Christians who were on different sides of that split, the the harshness, the the, the critical spirit towards uh, one another. And and at that point in time, truly, Edith and and Francis were wrestling together. Uh, Is it possible They were asking, is it possible for us truly to demonstrate the love of God that we are called to, that Jesus prays for us, uh, even when we disagree? In other words, is it possible to disagree even seriously at times uh, with each other, but to do so in a way that uh, is still beautiful to the Lord and to those who are looking on? And uh, by 1951... Schaefer was so concerned about what he saw and, and, and so dispirited that he, he basically said to his wife, I've got to rethink Christianity altogether. Uh, he had been an agnostic, had become a follower of Christ, but what he saw out there in terms of the bitterness among Christians when they disagreed, and quite frankly, even in his own heart, led him to ask the question, is God real? Is Christianity real? And so for three or four months, Schaefer would walk in the mountains praying and thinking through biblical truths. And if the weather was bad, he would walk in the hayloft above their chalet, again, thinking and praying. Uh, fortunately, at the end of that season, at the end of those three or four months, he, he regained his trust in Christianity, his faith in God's Word, and, and he came to the conclusion that the central unfolding doctrine or truth in Scripture, is the love of God for us and the love that we are then to show in turn. But the thing that most ministers to me and most challenges me from his conclusion of that spiritual crisis is this. He said that the golden opportunity you and I have as followers of Christ is the love that we show other brothers and sisters in Christ when we disagree. I mean, think about that. What, what did Jesus say in, in Matthew five forty six? He said, basically, anybody can love those who love them. I mean, even those who have nothing to do with Christ do that. What matters is how do we love each other when we disagree with each other. You know, this is one of the most contentious times I've ever live through. I and mean, we've got all kinds of things to disagree with. Masks or no masks. We've got, you know, in-person school or online school. Talk about race, don't talk about race. 
And, and so uh, uh, the point that, that I want to make from the very beginning is this. Scripture gives us freedom to disagree on a number of issues. These issues that I just mentioned, uh, you know, we can have a, a lot of different opinions on that. But where Scripture doesn't give us freedom to, to live is it requires us, when we disagree, to love each other well. In fact, God will judge us on how well we love each other, how well we love our brothers and sisters in Christ when we disagree. In the verses 7 through 21 of chapter 4, John uses the word love or some form of the word love 29 times. Now, I'm not going to read all of those verses, but that should tell us something about how important love is, especially when we disagree. 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to begin in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then skip down to verse 19. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Would you join me in prayer? Father, uh, this is both convicting and challenging, but encouraging too, because it, it says to us that no matter how strong the disagreements in Christ, we can still love each other and walk through tough situations in a way that brings honor to you and spreads your name throughout the world. So speak to us today. Strengthen us. We cannot do these things in our own strength. But in Christ, we are capable of doing so much more than our own nature would allow. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to summarize the, the passage in two points this morning, and it really is obvious uh, because it's the way John lays the passage out. But the first point is this. God loved us when we made ourselves His enemy. That's the first point. God loved us when we made ourselves His enemy. And so the second point then is this. We are to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially when they make themselves our enemy. All right, first, God loved us when we made ourselves his enemy. Give, uh, give me a moment and I'll, I'll show you where that comes from, but let's just kind of begin in verse 7 at the beginning. Uh, love is from God. And, and so from the very start, what John is trying to do is say, look, the source, the fountain of the love that you are to live out comes from God. And so if you want to love like God loves, which of course we are called to do, you have to go to God. He is the source for that love. Verse 8, God is love. 
Now here, what we need to understand is this. Love is in God's DNA, as it were. I mean, love isn't just a way that He behaves sometimes. Love is at the very heart of who He is, which, which means this. In one way or another, love shapes every single thing that He does. And so for you and, and for me, as we live and we walk with Christ, love has to shape everything we do as well, in one way or another. But John is very careful. It's not just any kind of love that we're to live out. Beginning in verse 9, we see the character of that love. There, first, we see that this is a compassionate love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Uh, Go to Ephesians. You and I, before we came to know Christ as our Lord and our Savior, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. And a dead person cannot make himself alive. And so God looks down upon us with compassion, knowing that we are helpless and without hope in this world to make ourselves alive. And he gives to us Christ who gives to us new life in him. He brings us to life. Spiritually, we were dead. Now in Christ, spiritually, we are alive only because God took pity on us and sent his son to us. So first, this love is a compassionate love. Uh, Second, though, in verse 10, it is an initiating love. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. Now, here's the point that John is making. God didn't look down on us as rebels, which we were, and say, well, I'm going to wait till they love me before I love them, because He knew that we would never love Him unless he entered into our relationship and gave us a new heart, as it were, so that we could love him. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. So we've got this love that is a compassionate love. It's an initiating love. And then third, in verse 10, again, it is a just or a righteous love. In his love, the Father sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now here's where we really need to understand that sin, our sin, isn't just breaking a few rules. It's not just doing a few things wrong. Our sin is active rebellion against the rule of God and against God himself. And and so by doing what we want to do rather than what God wants us to do, According to Romans 5.10, we make ourselves enemies of God. And because of that, God is justly angry at our sin. Fourth, in verse 10, one more time, this love is a costly love. God's love provides a way for God's just anger to be appeased. It's called the propitiation for our sins. It's called Jesus who by his death on our behalf embraced, I mean, he stood before, in between God and us, and and, and took on the arrow of God's wrath. 
that we might not have to take it on ourselves. He took on the just anger of God against our sins. And by doing so, I love the way one pastor puts it, he removed not only the moral stain of our sin, but also the personal offense of our our sin. We have personally offended a just and righteous and holy God by our sin. But Jesus took that for us, and by doing so, removed it from us. And here's really the bottom line of what I want to say here is this. Jesus, who is the Son of God, who has existed with God from the very beginning, if there is such a thing, from all eternity past, in love, in perfect relationship, Jesus, the Son of God, becomes the enemy of God God, uh, so that we who are His enemies might now become the friend of God. That's really what God is doing in sending His Son. He's taking us who were enemies and giving us the opportunity to be His friend. But Christ had to become the enemy on the cross as He took our sin upon Him for that to happen. It's a very costly love. So God loved us when we made ourselves His enemy. That's the first point. It's it's very straightforward. I hope very obvious. The second point is this. We are to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially when they make themselves our enemy. Now, enemy may be a strong word here. But, you know, even when we disagree with each other for a moment, sometimes we feel like we become enemies with each other. So so see it in light of that. But this, this point of God loving us, and so we are to love others, is very clear in verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In other words, uh, we are to love others in the same way God has loved us. In verse 20, uh, John puts this in a pretty startling way. You know, he does this a lot in, in 1 John. But he says this, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Uh, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. You may know the Welsh preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He put it like this, and I'm going to walk through this slowly because I think what he has to say here is really key. The ultimate test, he said, of our profession of the Christian faith is, I believe, this whole question of our loving one another. Indeed, I do not hesitate to assert, he goes on, that it is a more vital test than our orthodoxy, in other words, what we believe about Scripture, the truths that we believe about God. Now, he is very orthodox, and he goes on to say orthodoxy is absolutely essential. There are certain truths that if we do not believe, as we've looked at already in 1 John, we are not followers of God. Orthodoxy is essential, absolutely, but there have been men, he says, who have been clearly perfectly orthodox, champions of the faith, and yet they have denied that very faith in the bitterness with which they have sometimes defended it. Did you hear that? We can be absolutely as true as we know to be, according to what is here in God's Word, and yet sometimes in the way we relate those truths to other people that we disagree with, we basically deny the faith that we say we believe because of our lack of love for the other person. That's what Martin Lloyd-Jones is saying. And then he goes on to say that the test of the Christian love is to love the difficult person. Again, going back to what Jesus says, 
Anybody can love someone who loves them. Anybody does that. Everybody does that at some level. The test of the Christian is how do we love when we disagree, even profoundly disagree with each other. Now, how do we do this? Well, again, we have to go back to the love of God. And how did God love us? If we're going to love others as God loves us, we've got to think about this in that way. And the only way I'm convinced that this can work is that our attitude towards other people cannot be determined by what they are, but by the love that is in us. In other words, we we can't look at that person and, and look at perhaps their disagreement with us and base our affection, our heart, our love on that. We have to base it on the fact that we are loving people, that we are becoming more and more loving because we are embracing more and more the love of God for us. Now, think about it. I mean, God deals with us in that way. I mean, God's love for you and for me is not determined by us. It's in spite of us. The gospel, the cross, speaks to that. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. I mean, why did God send his son? Was it because of something good he saw in you or in me? No, of of course not. God's love is not determined by us, not by what we think, what we do, what we say, not by our attitude even towards Him. The only explanation that you and I have for our salvation is that God looked upon us out of a heart of love, not that it was drawn out by something in us, but that simply flowed out of a heart of love for us. Let's take it a step further. When you think about the great characteristic of God's love, it, 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 it is a love that doesn't really consider himself. It, it considers us. God doesn't look on us and say, well, this is what they've done to me. This is how they've rebelled against me, so I'm going to have nothing to do with them. Instead, he considers us. He, he looks upon us with compassion. He looks at our lost condition, and he sends his son for us. So, so one more step. Like God, we have got to see others, and I'm talking specifically about brothers and sisters in Christ, but it applies in any situation. We've got to see other people as people in need. Rather than focusing on the offensive action of the person, we see them as souls. You know, if they are at fault, and and sometimes that is very much the case, we're to be patient, we're to be praying for them, we're to try to help them. Rather than focus on how they've hurt us, we see their fault as something that is actually hurting them. You know, sin in our own lives hurts us. Of course, it can hurt others as well. But again, I love the way Martin Lloyd-Jones puts this as he kind of sums this up. And this is one of the, uh, the, the best ways I've ever seen this put. He says, like Christ... We look on them with compassion, and this is what he said, and try to love them out of their sin. Isn't that wonderful? We don't try to argue them out of their sin, that we speak truth in love, but we try to love them out of their sin. I don't know if you uh, watch Saturday Night Live. I, you know, was in a fraternity where that's what you watched on Saturday night, and Very recently, you may remember, Pete Davidson, the comedian, got into a lot of trouble because he mocked, in a very cruel way, 
then uh, Congressman-elect Dan Crenshaw, who uh, had an eye patch. He had lost an eye in Afghanistan fighting for our country. And uh, Davidson, Pete Davidson, the comedian on SNL, uh, mocked him in such a, a, a cruel way uh, that a lot of backlash came toward Davidson, toward the comedian. And uh, so much so that he went into a deep depression. And uh, uh, in addition to that, really kind of just started this significant self-loathing. And he, he put on an Instagram post at one point, uh, I don't really want to live on this earth anymore. I'm going to try to hang on, but I don't know that I can. Now, Crenshaw, the congressman-elect who had been so mocked, could have rightly said, not rightly, but could have said, well, that's what he deserves. But instead, he reached out privately to Davidson in his pain, and he was in significant pain, and he spoke words of kindness to this comedian that had so cruelly mocked him. And he gave life-giving words. He, he said to Davidson, look, God has a purpose for putting us on this earth. He has a purpose for you, and you need to find that and live that out. And uh, interestingly, not long after that, in Veterans Day weekend on Saturday Night Live, these two men met, really, to kind of make amends, for Davidson to make amends. And um, Crenshaw, the soldier, congressman-elect, was very positive in his praise of Davidson's father, who had died as a New York City firefighter uh, because of 9-11. And at the end of their conversation, when the comedian thought that they were off the air, he, he leaned over and he said very quietly to Crenshaw, you are a good man. You and I will have so many opportunities right now in such a contentious time where we have to decide, are we going to love others like God loves us or are we going to respond in our sinful human flesh? One brings destruction. The other brings healing and hope to a very broken world that needs to see that God is real and that he makes a real difference in us. Scott Sauls cites that story that I just gave you in his book, A Gentle Answer. And then he goes on to say that the way we respond to others applies in so many different situations. It applies when we're at odds with a family member, when we butt heads with a colleague, when our views are criticized online when our children don't listen to us or respect us, or when we feel misunderstood by those of a, a different generation or a different economic situation. But here's the point. Jesus loved me and you at our worst. And so we can love others at their worst. Jesus has forgiven us all of our wrongs, and so we can forgive others who have wronged us. Because Jesus was very gentle towards us rather than pouring out wrath and punishment to us. Because of our offensive and sinful ways, because Jesus responded to us in that way, we can respond to others who have behaved offensively and sinfully towards us. But again, we have to remember that 
It was very costly for Jesus to do that. He poured out his lifeblood on that cross for our sake. And we have to realize that it will be costly for us to love each other in the way that Christ has loved us. And that means for the rest of our lives, we are going to have to die to ourselves. It is not a one-day process. It takes the rest of our lives to die to ourselves, to die to our self-righteousness, which we all have, to die to our indignation, which we all can show, and to die to our outrage, which is so easy during these very contentious days. Jesus has been so very gentle towards us, and so we have great reason to be gentle toward others, and that includes those who treat us like enemies. Jesus put it this way, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Jesus has covered all of your offenses And because of that, you and I as followers of Christ can be the least offensive and least offended people in the world. That is the way of love. It is the way of God's love that he showed to us and we are now to show to others. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, we fall so very short of extending the love that you have given us to those around us. And that is true, especially when we disagree. So, Lord, may we be those who take this golden opportunity to show the world that even in the midst of lots of disagreements, we are one in Christ, that we love each other in spite sometimes of each other. And may that show that you have come into our lives and, make, and have made a real difference in our lives so that the world looking on may realize that there is a God who does change us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.